Welcome to our Saturday simulcast, recorded just a few short hours after the Purdue 56 to nothing win over Indiana State. I want to thank our sponsor, the Union Club Hotel, the 811 Bistro Boiler Up Bar. We appreciate uh, their support, and uh, I'm sure there's some things going on there tonight uh, after the Boilermaker win over the, the Sycamores, 53,000 and some saw it. And uh, Purdue gets back on the winning track, one and one now heading to Syracuse. And Tom, I'll start with you. Uh, you know, again, kind of, I, I don't know how you could script it probably any better for Purdue. I mean, in terms of you got a lot of guys to play at four quarterbacks that played. You, I don't know how, what the total number of players was, but uh, uh, no injuries that I, at least I'm aware of. And maybe I missed something there, but uh, things kind of went about as good as it could when in a 56 nothing win over Indiana State. Yeah, I have to think, Alan, they checked most every box they wanted to check when this game started. And like you said, went as well as could be expected from an outcome and performance standpoint. Purdue did not mess around at all, got right to business, put their foot on the neck of these guys, and dominated from the opening whistle all the way to obviously the final gun and there were a few, I guess, little roller coaster moments, if you will, and it was good to see how Purdue responded. And I think for me, defensively, guys, the two times Indiana State really threatened to hit Pater, right? Yeah. One time they went for it on fourth down, right near the goal line, and Purdue stuffed the running back. And then, of course, in the north end zone, uh, when the pass was intercepted in the end zone, tipped by Cam Allen, intercepted by Jamari Brown. So the defense sort of bowed its back there. Nice to see that fortitude uh, and the will of everybody just to maintain that shutout over the course of 60 minutes. That's hard to do. So I think that was positive as well. And again, guys, you could talk about any number of guys on the final stat sheet. I find a lot of very positive things to say. But I guess for me, I'm going to give you Cam Allen. Yeah. This may be a guy who could maybe be the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. He only had two tackles. But, of course, the pick six going for 65 yards – was huge. And then uh, and he's the guy that tipped the ball that Jamari Brown intercepted. And right off the jump, guys, first play of the game, he recovers a fumble. So some big plays by number 10. And again, Purdue's got to be filled with some confidence as we move and ease into next week. And we all know how big that game is going to be at Syracuse, guys. Going to be a big mountain to climb. But again, Purdue uh, has a lot of mojo here as the head east. Uh, next week. Yeah, you know, Cam Allen could have had a second pick six. Yeah. <laughs> and Chris Jefferson could have had his second in two weeks uh, in some ways, but that, that's getting pretty picky on what we saw. Brian, your your take on a 56 to nothing win in a game like this, when I think I spent about the last half of the game looking up numbers, it was the best defensive performance in the 21st century in terms of yards given up mm. in a game. And I understand against Indiana state, uh, it is Indiana state, but uh, uh, what, what, what do you glean from a game like this? Well, I mean, I, I think it, it's, it's the appropriate tack to take after a game like this to always just rain on the parade, you know, uh, and just remind everyone that, yeah, you know, those rushing yards don't matter as you know as much as they would against somebody else because you're not gonna um you aren't gonna run for 200 yards against wisconsin or iowa most likely uh purdue i mean all you can do is play who's on your schedule and i don't think you could have asked a whole lot more from purdue but 
you know, extrapolating this outcome and all that went into it as anything predictive, uh, kind of moving forward, starting at Syracuse. Um, that's the context. I think that always has to, has to kind of, you know, uh, hang over all of this stuff. But that said, I mean, you know, you can't ask for much more than what Purdue did, you know, Aiden O'Connell and Charlie Jones, that was like perfection in the first half. I liked how they got Tyrone Tracy involved. I think that showed you a model of what he can be for this offense. And I think that's a necessary model because it's sort of a guy who can help you in the running game, can give you some some versatility on offense, can, you know, uh, be that kind of short passing guy too, who can really help you control the ball when you need to and not have to rely so much on deep drops uh, as much as Purdue tends to do sometimes, especially when pass protection, you know, inevitably becomes a concern. Um I like the competitive streak you saw on the defense. I think they got bored there for a while when they were up 21 to nothing, gave up some yards. Mm-hmm. And then when it came time to, to buckle down, um, so to speak, and get that goal line stand and get that turnover, which was largely generated by pressure. Uh, Purdue got a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks today, I thought, as they should against Indiana State. But nevertheless, uh, I think that was that was significant. I think you saw a real edge to that defense. And I think, you know, sometimes when there's a shutout on the line, guys kind of – um, guys kind of take that personally. Now, that was the first half, so Purdue wasn't trying to finish off a shutout. Um, they were just kind of showing some personal pride in terms of keeping Indiana State out of the end zone. Mm-hmm. That Purdue, you know, finished off the shutout with a bunch of backups out there uh, in the second half. Um, I mean, it's, there, there's probably some significance there. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if yeah. um, you feel like Purdue's a deeper team today than they were yesterday. They might be, but once again, uh, these are not game conditions that are going to repeat themselves every, you know, very often this season. Purdue might not have this luxury again this year. For all we know, FAU, you know, you don't want to get ahead of yourself, but maybe. Um, but you know, I, I think from top to bottom, everyone who stepped on the field, there's really nothing to really nothing to nitpick here. Um, yeah. A backup punt returner fumbled a punt. Yeah, probably, probably and, the last punt he's going to field all year. So. Didn't he put? Did they need put him in after? Yeah, he, he, he stayed in the game. He stayed in the game. Yeah. Which I thought was actually significant, only because I thought that that was just kind of interesting that he he gave him another chance. Now he, I think he only returned one, but but my point is, is that yeah. like you said, Brian, they just they they took care of business, and and uh, uh, that's about all you can evaluate him on. But that's that's beats the heck out of not playing well and and having a close game against these guys. Yeah, big. big. Just again, you know, I know Brian's going to run out tomorrow and go buy his number 45 jersey. <laughs> I was going to ask that. Devin Mockaby, the, the, the walk-on parade led that ground attack. Two walk-ons led him in rushing. Mockaby and, of course, Dylan Downing. Um, you know, produced 200 yards rushing, guys. I, I'm writing some stuff tonight. And last time they ran for over 200 yards as a team in a game. You got to go back to 2018 at Illinois. Yeah. Well, again, again, I, I understand the context Brian's providing. This wasn't a Big Ten opponent, but uh, I guess again, at least Purdue dominated because so yeah. often we see some of these Power Five programs struggle with these FCS programs. So, again, I understand you have to keep all this in context. We're not going to throw a parade tomorrow for Purdue, but again, at least they did what they were supposed to do. So, I think that's the one thing to celebrate and. And like Brian said, there really isn't too much to – too many nits to pick, if you will, right? 
Um, yeah. Charlie Jones, Charlie Jones, guys, has already has 21 catches. He's already equaled the number of catches he had at Iowa last year in just two games. He has the hat trick of touchdowns tonight as well. So on and on it goes for him. On an injury front, guys, Brock Thompson played very little. He was I saw him on the field early on. I don't know if he played much beyond the first series or two, if at all. Um, I think it's going to be a tightrope all year with that guy and his knees and his legs. Uh, just getting him to game day is going to be a struggle. And if he plays, he plays well, it may be a bonus. Uh, Jeff Brom afterwards talked about Jalen Graham a little bit. You know, they're going to have to try to get by with him uh, for the next three or four weeks here. And, um, you know, Samiki Fakasieki didn't play today. That was the one surprise scratch. And uh, we'll see what the prognosis is for him moving forward here, though. But, Alan, to your point off, off the jump for us, I think they did come out of this thing relatively healthy, and that was another major accomplishment, right? Yeah. He Can I make one more point that just dawned on me about the running numbers? Well, yeah. you know, all of Purdue's rushing attempts there in the second half came from – Dylan Downing, Devin Maccabee, and Kobe Lewis, right? So, Dylan Downing comes to Purdue from UNLV. Devin Maccabee was committed out of high school to Army. Mm -hmm. Kobe Lewis transfers him from Central Michigan. Those are still all higher-level programs in Indiana State. So, your walk-ons, and in Kobe Lewis's case, the guy who right now seems to be third or fourth, in the pecking order, those are all still guys who were higher level recruits than the guys they were playing against, which is a very uncommon yeah. uh, thing for Purdue, especially um, in games like this. But it's just one of those deals where, you know, you're trying not to even, you're not really trying to score in the second half, but you, you just hand the ball off and you're just so superior uh, at, at every position. And, uh, it just kind of happens. Uh, that's sort of the nature of the uh, competitive imbalance in college football nowadays. And um, you know, I don't think you're going to see these games probably ever again. Uh, and that's 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 okay. <laughs> well, it's kind of fun to beat somebody up. It's yeah. it's okay from from like an interest perspective, but at the same time, Indiana State needs these games. Oh yeah, yeah. That you is. know, it, it's financially. I understand you can't really do this in football because football is such a – you only get so many football games in a year. But I always thought that if it gets to the point where the the Power Five is only playing the Power Five, let these schools do what basketball does and and have a couple of of preseason games. You can make it part of your season ticket package. You know, um, fans might not love that, but they've been paying for it all these years anyway. doesn't count, you know. Um, I guess it should count, but uh, well, but you got to find a way to payday for some of these programs. I mean, there's exactly. It's it's. That's, that, I agree, but I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I know because it's a good idea, fair idea. It's fair because <laughs> the people who are supposed to be looking out for the best interests of everyone would be the NCAA, and they're they've lost control of this whole thing anyway. The, the Power Five isn't going to say, "Hey, let's go do this for their sake." Yeah, let's share the money with somebody we don't have to share the money with. Um, that's just my personal college football bleeding heart view. So uh, <laughs> sorry, I took us in a weird direction there. Well, but no, you- I always thought in basketball that they ought to take your lo- three lowest. Uh, it used to be the RPI. Now it's the uh, uh, 
whatever the hell it's called, the, the net rankings. <laughs> take your three lowest, unless you lose, take your three lowest wins and take those off your resume. Yeah. That way, you know, Purdue shouldn't avoid Chicago State like the plague, which is what's happening now is people not only do they not want to schedule these games, it's literally against their best interest to schedule these games because just going out there and playing them and beating them hurts you. Um, but that's just I, I've taken us in a weird direction here. I'm sorry. Well, I think in the twelve in the in the twelve team playoff and you know and and six at large that could some of that stuff. And again, you guys may be, may be right that uh, in the billion dollar contract world, these games may not exist. But maybe they will. Maybe they will go to because I do think there is some need. There are a lot of coaches. There are a lot of people that you know. You look at a Kurt Mallory who's been at every other power five program as an assistant. I mean, they are inbred into the fabric of college football in some fashion, even though they're, they're lesser programs. It'll be interesting to see if anybody does want to share any part of any of this down the road, but you're right. That's a, that's a topic for down the road. Now, I did think uh, you're right about that, Brian, because Tyrone Tracy had three rushes for 34 yards all in the first half. Um, and Devin Mockaby had 78 yards. I will say this in the risk of being – I did think he ran hard. I liked the way he went north and south. I, I, I'm not saying we're ever going to see it again. I don't know. I know that they've – Tom, you know, they've talked about him. He's 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 been a guy that uh, they've been impressed with, at least in terms of getting on the field. It'll be interesting to see if he gets sees the light of day down the road or at Syracuse or later. But uh, uh, I was impressed by him. Uh, just, he looked good. No, he, he ran hard. I mean, it I definitely thought... looked good. It's yeah. um, he was impressive. Can't ask a whole lot more of a kid than I mean, I, I just how thought... he took advantage of his opportunity today. Right. And I think just running north and south, just running hard. I, I think I'm not ragging on the other guys. I'm just saying I, I, I think that when in a team that struggles to make two yards, sometimes yeah. run football, uh, that might be good now. Tom, I, I, what was your, you know, the defense obviously again, where, where everything's in context, but Sanusi Kane coming in and playing for Jalen Graham, and Graham's going to be out for a while, as we've talked about. Uh, but I thought he made, you know, he had one force fumble, seven tackles. Bryce Hampton comes in, has a, has a three tackles to play some today. Uh, Jack Sullivan gets a nice sack in there, but, uh, uh, Mo Monaday had a, had a fair number of uh, snaps as well. I don't know how many total. Uh, again, uh, good for depth. It's got to be at least good for practice that you get the, all these guys on the field. Yeah, it just does good for the morale to the players to have some payoff for all that work. You know, I'm always happy for those guys. Uh, yeah, Alan, um, the Jalen Graham void. When it comes to really replace him on the field when they start playing, if if if, if this injury per, uh, lingers into October, and you start playing the physical teams like Minnesota in particular, uh, you know, you need heavy bodies in there, and we're going to see more of Jacob Walberg. We saw more of him today. Yeah. See more of Clyde Washington as well, or two bigger body guys uh, that I think could see their PT. Uh, uh, you know, increased as well. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, he wasn't needed today, but, boy, they certainly could use Jalen, could use him when they go to Syracuse. So, hopefully he's back for that, the beginning of October when Purdue's opening on the road at Minnesota and at Maryland. They're certainly going to need him there. But this is something that he's had before. He fought through it last year. Jeff Brown said he played through it in the bowl game. And 
they held them out uh, in the spring, and and here we are again with this same, I guess, impact fracture to one of his tibias. Was how it's been explained to me. So it's unfortunate, but you have to move on. And and uh, I think they may have the personnel that that can that can can maybe fill this void. But guys, again, a dominating day. Eleven different players caught passes. Seven different players ran the ball. Uh, four different players were under center today. And guys, there were four different guys you got to kick the ball today. And one of them being one of our own, Caleb Crockover. That's the highlight of the day. Chad Crockover, our, our outstanding photographer. His son got a chance to kick an extra point today, which was, which was uh, just a real joy to see. And, um, yeah, guys, Allen, three Russ Lafayette Red Devils suited up today and played and contributed between yeah. Caleb and Yanni. Yeah, and, yeah Yanni got on the field as well. That? So. That was a that not, was bad, not, not bad for a school with 800 kids. Yep, they did did well. So, all right, now next week, guys, uh, it will you know noon kick in, in Syracuse and Syracuse a 48-14 win over UConn. Uh, the thing is, I don't know a lot about him. Garrett Schrader, their quarterback, had kind of a Aiden O'Connell day today uh, against UConn. Uh, in, in a game that uh, was was not close, obviously, and UConn, we saw UConn last year might have been one of the worst uh, worst uh, uh, power five, not power five, but uh, uh, division division or F, FBS programs I've ever seen. But he you did have a teams, big, one of the worst what? teams you've ever. Seen. You could just say teams. All right, yeah, don't yeah. need any adjectives or anything. Yeah, I like think that. they just were they, they were they were awful. And but he had another big day today at quarterback. He is a threat. He's, he, they always talk about Garrett Schrader, the Syracuse quarterback, as a guy that doesn't throw the football well, but he's he's had a, had a 20 for 23 day today, kind of like I said, like an Aiden O'Connell day. And they've got a very good uh, – they've got some – Syracuse has shown it uh, also in, in uh, running back situation that they've got a guy that uh, they've touted, Sean Tucker, is a, is a pretty good uh, – had another 100-yard day, I think, today. But uh, – a guy that can run the football and that environment uh, at the uh, not the Carrier Dome anymore. What uh, I had to had to be corrected on what it is the JMA something. I'll get this right here in a minute. But anyway, it's going to be a big challenge, I think, for Purdue to go into that type of environment. Syracuse and Dino Babers, of course, a former Purdue assistant way back in the day. Uh, it's going to be a big challenge going there to to get play a game that's going to really matter for Purdue next week. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, you guys, this sport changes radically from week to week. Just watch yeah. the results. Look at this week. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, so I, I, it took me a long time to, to settle down and, and not overreact positively or negatively from <laughs> yeah. week to week. So, um, yeah, we'll see. You know, Syracuse, I think, um, like you said, they've got a strong running attack. They took care of Louisville that opening week, 31-7. to mm -hmm. Louisville turned around. I think on what Friday night they won at Central Florida, a nice yeah. win. So, um, yeah, like I said, it's going to be a heck of a challenge. I imagine Syracuse is going to be at least a three-point favorite. Uh, I was going to ask that. You think so? At least. I think at least a three-point favorite. Okay. That's usually just what you get for the home field. So maybe it'll be a couple more beyond that. We'll see. But it, it'll be a good challenge. You know, these non-conference road games have not been kind of Purdue. I don't have to remind you two of that. Um, I remember Purdue losing in Hawaii, losing in Rice, 
losing Marshall. I've, I, I was there when they got they beat, beat the hell out of Missouri. That's the only one they've. Missouri, yeah, yeah that was that was that was shocking as well. <laughs> it, so who knows? Went. Who knows? The one Power Five team they play on the road, they whip right. Uh, <laughs> so well, they, I, I I do think it's it's in stating the obvious though and. You know, Brian, I'll let, let you comment. It is an extremely important game because if you really do have goals to, to which they do, to try to get to eight or nine wins, and even if you – whether they win, can win the West Division or not, that certainly remains to be seen at best. But still, if you want to – games like this matter for bowl position and, and just how many games you can win this year. And, and we're before this year, at least for me – I kind of circled this game and said, well, I think that's a game Purdue is going to win. Yeah. And, of course, that's changed maybe now that based on how Syracuse has played the first two weeks. Uh, uh, but maybe it's just that hard predicting week in, week out uh, uh, the way teams play. But, Brian, I mean, looking at the context of everything, it is it is a huge game on, their, on that early schedule. Yeah, I mean, what's funny about college football is that, you know, September can be kind of uneven. Yeah, uh, you see crazy things happen right now. There's teams in the Big Ten West who cannot score. Yeah, Iowa can't score. Wisconsin's not exactly lighting the world on fire here. Uh, you saw a lot of people get beat by you know quote unquote inferior opponents, and that that's that's those could be blips. Those could just be you know as I always say, we could be looking at this at the end of the year. At, we can be looking at those games as like punchlines, right? Um, but the problem with college football is every game matters so damn much. You know, the good news for Purdue is, you know, that Penn State game wasn't a divisional game because Purdue obviously, you know, let one get away there, um, which you don't often say about Purdue when they lose to Penn State. Um, I think there was a lot of positive that came out of that game nonetheless. Um, but, you know, you don't get very many opportunities to get it right in college football and, you know, trips to Syracuse, things like this, where they're tough games. Um, uh you got to play well. Uh, obviously, um, you aren't going to back into wins in, in games like this, and um, it is important. It's important from a win total perspective. It's important from a if you're fortunate enough to get to a bowl game, which we're all assuming Purdue will be. Uh, it matters what bowl game you go to. It, it matters to the the prestige that comes with what sort of season you have. It it, it affects the momentum you have as a program, which affects recruiting, which affects your talent level moving forward affects your ability to win moving forward. Basically what I'm trying to say here is winning is always better than not winning. <laughs> there you go. That's, that is the most prolific thing that, uh, uh, that was the best statement. By the way, it is the JMA wireless dome. It's the carry it was the carrier dome till earlier this year. And I don't know if JMA just, uh, just bought out the, Bought out that, but yeah, yeah I, I, the, I, the, the, the game that may end up really determining this whole pecking order in the West is Purdue, Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota's look at least on paper is look good in their first two games and just come yeah. out solid. And and yeah, you know, I guess well, this, this division looks like it's wide open. I know it's still early, but again, yeah, it doesn't appear to be a ten thousand pound gorilla, fellas. You have and, no uh, good offenses. Yeah. I mean, you have no good offenses in the Big Ten West right now, Yeah. right? Yeah. No, I don't know what Minnesota's doing. Um, you know, I, I I know they're putting up numbers, putting up points, but I don't know if that's like they be sustainable yeah, productivity. Illinois, so they haven't beaten anybody any good, but they dominate them. So, 
yeah, we'll we'll find out more, obviously. But yeah, you're right. You're that right. that that could give Purdue, you know, a distinct advantage. I mean, obviously, theoretically, Purdue's going to be able to consistently score. We'll see on that as well. But uh, that part, uh, you know, how how can you explain? You know, Northwestern. I don't know. It, it is. That's what. That's the whole point of all this. You just can't explain it. It's a week to college football has always been a week to week proposition. Especially, I agree with you, Brian. In September, you just don't know, and that may give Purdue an advantage to go out and and play very well next week. And and uh, and just because Syracuse is off to a good start uh, doesn't and they you know maybe they haven't played anybody though they did you know Louisville on paper at least was supposed to be relatively decent, but. Something else, too, about September in college football now. Um, All these teams are breaking in so many transfers. Yeah. I think people are playing more new players. Son of you know what. Yeah. Um, I don't even need this thing. People are playing so many more new players, you know, than they used to. And it's almost like sort of the non-conference season in basketball where basketball plays more freshmen than, you know, football typically does. Uh, there's always going to be some unevenness there uh, when you first come out and play for the first time. And, you know, there's so many people just debuting guys and, you know, training camp only takes you so far in terms of acclimating guys to your, to your systems, which are much more intricate than they are in, in a lot of other sports. And uh, you sort of wonder if that doesn't make September even more, topsy-turvy here in college football moving forward yeah i think it's going to be going to be interesting and uh, it will be a storyline that we're watching and and as of this recording uh, how, how's nebraska doing uh they're down 38 to 35 with 402 to play but it looks like they just hit a big completion down the field down to the georgia southern <laughs> goal line it's under review i don't know it's what's being reviewed I've indiana, got indiana, indiana on my phone here in front of me and i've got nebraska on the tv IU is battled back from there. They're, oh, they're up 23 to 10. They just hit yeah, a couple of good plays. They got that game in hand. So, all right, guys, the first one that can predict this stuff week in, week out can make a lot of money and quit this job. And the and, only person who knows, the, the only entity that knows what's going to happen every week somehow is Vegas. Yeah, no doubt. All right, who do we feel? And lastly, uh, Notre Dame, uh, and of course, Purdue fans, uh, for some reason, at least the ones I'm around, you get take a lot of. I think that's great that Notre Dame for the first time in its history starts 0-3. Marcus Freeman, who we all agree, is a great guy. And we don't want to – we hope – at least I'll speak for myself, think that uh, – hope, hope that they'll have success. But, uh, again, another example. How can Marshall go to Notre Dame and win? Uh, hard, to, hard to believe. But Stephen uh, Fausho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anything about that. Does Stephen Fausho play? I don't know. Text Brian or DM his dad. That's a four-star recruit, right? Wasn't he? Um, so that's 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 case in point. So it's going to be uh, these. I think that's one thing that we also could agree. On. This will be an interesting the next the next uh, ten weeks of Purdue football. Really yeah. going to be interesting to see what happens. It's I, so much fun. It's a great time of year, guys. I love yeah. it. You know, we're starting to get to October, Halloween. The weather will cool off. High school football. I mean, walking yeah. to the games on a Saturday. It's unreal. And Brian and I have talked about, too, being on a college campus on a Friday afternoon on the eve of a game is one of the coolest places to be. So yeah, I try to do it everywhere I go, even even in West Lafayette. As many times as I've walked around that campus, it's still fun to do on, on a Friday before games. So Yeah, now, who has, who has been 
in the carrier dome for an event or the JMA wireless dome. Brian, have you ever in your life, you've been up there for in, in your day? And Tom, you have not? Well, my I only venture in I guess I'm the only was, was Cooperstown. I'm the I, I'm the only one I've been there twice for basketball. Purdue played there when I was a senior in college. Leo Routens in the Syracuse Orange Orange men at the time, Orange and Jim Be a yellow a young Jim Beheim whipped up on Gene Cady. And then of course uh, Purdue played there a couple of times in 1987 in the NCAA tournament. But so uh, how does this wireless company not figure out a way to work carrier into their title? You know, I don't know. Like that that that's like the lowest hanging fruit ever. If yeah. you were a wireless company and you've already got the word carrier in your name, yeah. there's got to be something there, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know what JMA JMA Wireless is a. Who's your uh, carrier? Yeah, JMA yeah. Wireless. Yeah, yeah, it is. Right. Uh, and they're giving free advertising to this company that I've never heard of. Their headquarters are in Liverpool. So I don't know if there's Liverpool, England. I'm not sure. But <laughs> Liverpool, the, Mississippi. The car the carrier dome is uh, or the JMA wireless dome, you'll have a time, you'll have a good experience. It's just an interesting place to play. And all my only advice to anybody is never go to a St. Pat don't ever spend St. Patrick's Day in Syracuse, at least 30 some years ago, the craziest St. Patrick's party. Purdue was in the NCAA tournament. We could not get out of our hotel. That's all I remember. I was working in the athletic department at the time, and we we had to have a special escort just to get to practice uh, because there were, must have been 100,000 people in downtown Syracuse for, for St. Patrick's Day. But it won't be St. Patrick's Day on September the 17th. So, Tom, you're, you're in good shape. You're yeah. Good shape. Hey, speaking of walking around a college campus on a football weekend, has anybody noticed on Meridian Street there across from the – uh, across from the arena, that one power line is like hanging right down off the sidewalk. I've seen that by the old. Bank. I could reach up and touch it, and it just feels like that's something that on a college campus, no less. <laughs> you got to tighten this up, man. I know. And Golden Black's old headquarters. Am I the only one who's noticed? Who's noticed? No, it? I. Well, I don't know that I've been. I've driven by there. You talking about right in the corner, right across? It's, the it's on. It's on Meridian, right at the junction of Northwestern. It's the power line right there next to that little house with the big field next to it, where people yeah. park. Which used to be the headquarters of Golden Black way back in 19, 1990. Before I was born, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, it's, it's. I got to drive down and check that out. It's hanging probably 10 feet off the ground. Yeah. And my vertical has deteriorated considerably <laughs> over the years, but I'm not sure I couldn't jump up ever so modestly right now with my hands raised and touch this power line. Which yeah. means one of these young strapping men or women on this college campus could probably not only jump up and touch it, but grab it, hang from it, and potentially even climb to the top of the. Now, uh, some beverages might have to be involved for someone to do that, but that's yeah, but that's more that's, likely than not to be the case yeah. anyway. Yes, I think you may be right. You need, they need to find, find good grounding in their shoes if that's the case. All right, on that note, we're going to bring this to a close. Uh, uh, I think this, this, this I completely this, ruined our podcast. No, we went, we went, we went. If we drew the uh, the math as the parabola or whatever we did, we went all all different directions on it. Uh, but it's always it's always fun. Tom, we're going to get you in the press box mid afternoon next week or late afternoon i'm sure after the purdue syracuse game it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out by then we'll know if nebraska beached uh, georgia southern too so they're 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 up four with three minutes to go oh, they good. just scored 
Good for Scott Frost. There you go. So, all right, guys, have a good, have a good rest of your Saturday. We'll have a lot on the site this week. As Tom says, the fun time of year. We'll be getting to getting to basketball before long as well. Uh, Brian may have a better high school game to cover than he did last night. Doesn't sound like that was a that was a uh, a, a challenging event for you, but we'll look forward to that as well. Have a great uh, rest of your Saturday and Sunday whenever you. Uh, consume this we want to make sure also you can subscribe to our 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 youtube site you can you can like it you can comment uh, do all the same but uh, we will see you next week on our next edition of the saturday simulcast thank the union club hotel as well thank brian and tom for for all that they do uh bringing purdue football to you guys have a great rest of the evening and uh for all of you thanks again for watching and listening